You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. A sermon from our series entitled Walk by Faith. For more information, visit us at cbcsavannah.com. We're in Hebrews chapter 12 actually this week. So if you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 12, it'll be on the screen. A couple months ago, my, my family, we were headed back. I think we were coming from Pooler. I don't know if we had baseball or whatever. And we were in two different cars. And what ends up happening, just because of the competitive nature of the Fowler family, is it becomes, it becomes a race. It just does. But the problem is, if you know me, and you can ask my, my wife will attest to this, and some of you have seen me on the Truman and mocked me, I, I'm an, I drive the speed limit. I do. I, they, in fact, one of our guys said, you drive like an old man. I'm like, okay, I drive like an old man. That's fine. I haven't gotten a ticket, though. So, but, so that's a, my wife, on the other hand, is like an expert NASCAR kind of driver. She's very good at driving. Fa- you know, she's, she's very gifted in that way. And so there's not usually something that I will win. So, so what happens in that, you know, we're, I have the little 360 app, and I got a couple kids in my car. She got a couple kids in her car. And I look, and she's like a mile ahead of me already. I'm like, it's not a race. Because, you know, I'm not going to win, so it's definitely not a race. We're just going home, right? I'm just driving home. So as we're driving home, and I, then all of a sudden, for some reason, it's not a race, but we're still tracking each other. Um, she makes a fatal error. She turns right on waters off the red. And it's on. Because now I'm like, ooh, we might be able to do this, y'all. So, I mean, I'm down to Ren. Yes, that was yellow. Don't ask. Yeah, we're going through lights, you know. And we turn on to Truman. And I know that all the victory lies in one thing. If in God's sovereignty and providence, we can beat her to the light at Whitfield and Truman. And somehow that light will, will save us. So, man, we're tracking. And we get off Truman. We're away at Whitfield. And I'm sitting at the light. And we can see on the thing. She's come. Here she comes. She's come. And we're praying with all of God. The effects will... <laughs> Change the light. It's night because, you know, it's all sensor-based. We're like, come on, come on, come on. And sure enough, because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much, the light turns when it's like 150 yards, and I think, my, I, think I had my daughter. She's like, yes, and we turn in victory because there's no way you can pass once you're on Whitfield. Like, this is a one-lane baby, so we know we're coasting in to the finish line. And so we get home, and we're like, oh, Yeah. And then one of the little ones in the other car, that wasn't a race. Oh, yeah, it wasn't a race. <laughs> right. Whether you thought it was a race, whether you knew it was a race, whether you considered it a race, it was a race. But usually I don't win. And that's kind of a little bit of the heart of the text as we kind of close out this series in Hebrews chapter 12. We are in a race. Whether you know it or not, whether you considered it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, We are in a race. But the beauty of this race is that everyone can win if we run it well. And so the writer to Hebrews is going to tell us, how how do we run it well? How can we run the race well? How can we win the race? That's what he's going to tell us as we kind of conclude this series in Hebrews chapter 12. We're just going to look at verses 1 and 2. And we've been working through kind of Hebrews 11, kind of taking snapshots of different men and women who were just like us, broken, had ups, had downs, right, which has been greatly encouraging because they weren't perfect, but at critical moments in their life, they walked by faith, right? They walked by faith, and they finished their race, and the whole reason that God puts them in the chapter that he reminds you of Noah and Abraham is is because he wants you to run well, that you're God, and we sang it. It's so amazing how when we plan these songs and we're just kind of like, yeah, this 
that, that, that there's, there's things that allude. It said Jesus finished his course, and he's still with us in ours. And that's the idea. These people finished their course too. And now it's our turn. It's our race. And we want to run it well. Right? And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to make a couple observations about this race. And then he's going to tell us specifically, give us a couple, here's how you run it well. Right? So let me read our text. This is a great text. Many of you are familiar with it. If you're kind of new to the Bible or, or maybe you're looking for a new passage to memorize, this would be a great verse passage to kind of hide in your heart. Just a, it's just a great one to start with. Maybe we'll give out a prize next week to someone who's memorized it. Who knows? Not, nothing, you know, like millions of dollars, but maybe we'll do something. I don't know. Let's see. But here we go. Let me read it. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So he starts off with the word, therefore. And so anytime you see the word, therefore, what do you ask? What is there for, right? And it's linking the previous chapter. Actually, this specific form of the word therefore, it's translated therefore, it's a very unique one in the New Testament. And it's always used in a way that shows conclusion. So really, I know in your Bible this is chapter 12, but really this is part of chapter 11. I mean, this is, this is, could be 11, 41, and 42. It's linked to what he said. Therefore, because we have, what, all these folks, because they ran their race well, that's the idea. It's linking it there. And there's one main verb in this entire two verses that governs the whole thing, right? You have one main verb with a bunch of little participles, just much like the Great Commission that says, what, go make disciples of all nations. The main idea is make disciples going, teaching, baptizing is how you do it. This is a passage that's very similar. And there's only one main verb. And in the original language, it's what's called a hortatory subjunctive. Sounds fancy. I never used that word in my sermons before. Never will again. I had to look it up. That's the only reason I used it, because I don't know my Greek that well. But here's the idea behind it. It's, it's a command, but it's more like a, let, let's go. We can do it. Come on. It's this encouraging deal. Let, let's do this. And what does he, he, what does he want the reader, the hearer, us to do? One thing. The one command is Run. That's the command. Run, Forrest. Run. Run, CBC. That is the encouragement. Let's go. Let's run. All the other participles, all the other ideas, they all link to that, right? Like, like Abraham ran, like Moses ran, like Gideon ran, like Rahab ran. Let's run. And so bef before we actually talk about the two specific things he says how, let me make some observations about this race. Right? Because I, I think, and there's tons of application even in there. But let me just highlight some things uh, about the race. He, first, he says, okay, so we're running the race, or running, notice, with endurance, the race that is set before us. It, it's this race that you're in, it takes endurance. When I was in high school, I ran cross country and winter track, and, and we used to look over at the sprinters with disdain. 
right? Not only because they were much cooler and better looking than, than us, uh, long distance runners, because we looked like these sinewy, like, you know, like kind of, you know, you know, the high school runner, that was us, right? And they were like studs and jocks and played football and just sprinted on the side. But we were mad about all that. But we were also mad because their practices lasted like 20 minutes. We would literally go run a three-mile warm-up and start stretching, and they'd be going home. And we're like, we just warmed up, right? And their race was literally like 12 seconds long. That maybe if they ran the quarter mile, they ran a 50-second race. That's like 50 seconds of pain. Our whole lives were pain. All right, we're like, we're going on an hour run. We're going to run 10 miles in, in, uh, in an hour. We've got to keep a six-minute pace. That's a race. 100 yards is not a race. Anything you can do on a pogo stick is not a race. Okay? So, so that was our, I'm still a little bitter. It's been 30 years. Right? Um, but this race, is, it's not a five-second race. It is not a 10-minute race. It is not a five-day race. It's not even maybe a five-year race. It is a lifelong race, and it is difficult. In fact, the word for race is literally the Greek word agon, which we got our English word, agony, right? Anyone's run, run a race, a marathon, a, a 10K, you, you get that. It's It's pain. And so the encouragement, I think, for us in this race with endurance, run a race with endurance, is do not quit. Because everyone who's been in a race that's a long-distance race wants to quit at some point, right? You you just feel that pain. And so don't quit. You need endurance because this race has hills and valleys. I know if you've never left Savannah, there's these things in the world. God created them. They're called hills. I know you get over 16 feet in this town, you're like, man, the air is thin up here. It's like 16 feet. But you actually go places, there's these hills. I was in Philly a couple, couple weeks, maybe a month ago or two months ago, and I went to Valley Forge Park where I used to run as a, as a high schooler, and I'm, in, I'm running up these hills, and they're not even that big, and I'm dying. My legs are burning, and my lungs are burning, and it's only like 75 degrees out. I'm like, it's not even Savannah because I'm not used to it. But your race will have hills. There will be hills at work. Work stinks. I hate my job. There will be, there'll be hills of health where you're like me and I slept wrong this week and so for a day my shoulder's down like this. And there's pain because you're getting older. There's gonna be disappointments in relationships and you're gonna be disappointed that this and there's gonna be tight on money in a season. And that person's going to hurt you, and that person's going to disappoint you, and there's going to be anxiety, and there's going to be maybe depression, and this issue that you're fighting, that is hills. They stink. And you're going to need to not quit. Because just remember this. Here's the beauty. I'm running up a hill in Valley Forge Park. I know eventually I have to come down. And if you may be in a hill right now, and you're bur- you feel like you're struggling, and your lungs are on fire, and your legs are on fire. Eventually, you're going to come down the hill. It's just the way it works. But don't quit when you're in the middle of it. Don't quit. Right? And don't always try to escape the pain. I know that's still what we do. We, we want to escape the pain. But understand this. Sometimes you have to go through pain to experience joy. Ask all the moms in the room. Right? Epidural or not. Nine months of pain. Waking up. Heartburn, can't sleep this way, right? But then the joy of the childbirth comes. So those of you who, you know, you, you work out and you diet, 
to, to, to be healthy. There's a little bit of pain and struggle there, but on the other side, there's joy. That's the idea sometimes. Sometimes you got to go up the hill before you can come down. Do not quit. Sometimes before you get to the promised land, you got to wander around in the wilderness, right? This race takes endurance, right? That's observation number one. Here's my second observation of this text. It is the race, he says, that is set before us. That's significant. It's not you set the race. It's, in, it's, in, it's, in, it's not the tense where I decide my course. If you sign up for the rock and roll marathon, right, can't do that because it's rock and roll, Christian. Just kidding, all right? But if you sign up for that race, you don't get to just run your 26.2. I'll run 26.2, but I'm going to do my own course. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. You run the course that they set. Okay, the idea here is God, the sovereign father, has set a race for you. It is your race. He is determined. Just like Ephesians 2.10 says that he has created good works beforehand, that you would walk in them. He has set your race. He's put your hills there. All these things, right? So what you need to do is run your race. Not everyone else's race. Yours. Now, your race may be similar to theirs. It may be different, but run your race. There's, we're all going in the same direction, but there's going to be you know, hills and valleys on theirs that are different based on just how God has wired you, based on the future that he has. Maybe there's a singleness call. Maybe there's a marriage call. Maybe there's kids. Whatever that looks like, you have different gifts. You have different platforms. You have different passions. That is your race. Maybe your race involves being a stay-at-home mom. Maybe it's being a working mom. Maybe it's a singleness for a season. Maybe right now you're in, the, you're in the portion of your race where you feel like an Uber driver for your kids. That's part of your race right now, right? It, it's just the way it is. Maybe you're in a, in a season at work where it's a 65, 70-hour work week right now. Or maybe I don't have a job and that's the season of my race. Maybe right now your season is, you're just, the main thing you're doing is I'm showing hospitality to a bunch of teenagers. My kids' friends, as they come over, we want to be a safe place. We want to encourage them. That's your race right now, right? Maybe you're, you're coming to a season, you're like, man, I think I want to jump into CBC Kids, or I want to lead a community group, or I, I don't know. Maybe it's a season of plenty. Maybe it's a race where you're scraping by. Run your race, not everyone else's. And don't compare. This is where we get into trouble. Well, because they might be going uphill, and you might be going downhill. And, the, and you probably don't care when you're running downhill, and you're like, this is great. But when you're going uphill, and everyone else is going downhill, and you start comparing, that's where bitterness sets in. Well, why is it X and Y and G? It's not fair. You run your race. This is a hill God has for you. And our races are similar, but they're different. The race of an empty nester, y'all, is different than the race of, a, of a, a lady who just had a baby. Big time. Right? It's a big difference. Right? Run your race. Endure in your race. And, and what you need to do is run with purpose. Because Paul says, I'm going to box with purpose. I'm going to run with purpose. So what maybe you need to do this week is to set aside lunch or one day and go out and write, what are the priorities in this season of my life? Okay, can it be, we want to be a people that are self-aware, right? Know your gifts. If you say, you know, you're, you're, Bill, you need to, you need to be a, a, a seminary president. No, I really don't because I'm never going to raise money and I hate administration and I don't email people very well. Never be a president of a college, right? I, I'm self-aware there. 
right? You know who, what your gifts are, what your passions are. I got three kids right now. My kids are this, this, and this. I, I have four. I'm going I'm to use an example, all right? I didn't forget one of mine, just so you know. Um, I got these bills. I got this. Be, and, and sit there. Okay, this is what I think maybe the race looks like the next five years. Maybe ask someone, what, okay, we're about to go into this season. Just take some time to think and let God kind of, okay, this is where, yeah, you're heading in this. And I, you let the Holy Spirit work in you. Speak to you. If you ask, if you seek, if you knock, he'll, he'll, he'll reveal, right? Keep running your race and don't quit. Another observation. It, just, it starts off, he says, therefore, since we have, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I love the language. You are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Who's he talking about? The people he just mentioned. Abraham, Rahab, Gideon, Samuel, David. Right, all the people he mentioned, and the picture, the illustration. He's whoever the writer is is a sports fan, right? He just clearly is because he's using this athletic imagery, and he's picturing a race with all these people kind of crowding the sidelines, like cheering you on, right? And and if you were if you've ever run a race, you know what that's like. I used to run in high school this race. It's called the Manhattan Classic up in New York City, right? We'd drive up on the bus, and it was a, it was a fun race because you'd have like four or 500 uh, high schoolers, and you'd start in this field, and you literally it was like 250 yards long. Your block start, for those runners, you know what that means. You're all, you're sick, you guys are right there. And then you'd run about 150 yards into the woods, and you had all these guys, like 400 people heading for like this one like 10-yard path in the woods. And everyone's, and as soon as you go back in the woods, it's like crickets. There's nothing. And you're literally in the woods for like two and a half miles just wandering. You're like, am I lost? Am I going to Narnia? I don't know what's going on. And you're, you're, you go up this, finally you hit this big hill that they had at the end. It was one of the steepest hills you ever run. You run up this hill. And then you, you start hearing things again. Because you're coming out of the woods. And then you come out of the woods and everyone's cheering again. And there's something energizing about all these people who are just cheering you on. You're almost done. You're almost there. And that's the imagery here is, is there's Moses and he's, he's along the sideline. He's giving you high fives. And, and there's, there's Abraham and there's Rahab. And, and, and I don't, I'm not saying there's some big screen TV in heaven like, let's watch Bill today. It's like golf. Like Bill Fowler's on the uh, 17th green. Oh, he's about to sin. Oh, oh he missed that one. Oh, let's go back to you, Jack. No, that's not... I don't think that's the idea, but I think there is this, there's this awareness of our race in heaven and that they are in some way by their testimony or whatever, even the angels that says, watch us, right? But there's this multitude of people saying, you can do it. We went up that hill, we fell, we failed, but we got back up. You can do it. It's like they're holding out their wounds and their victories and giving us high fives as we kind of run along this path, right? Saying, go for it. You can do it. By faith, just like us, you can do it, right? And so kind of the encouragement is just be motivated by their story. Be motivated by others. The Moseses of the world, the Elijahs of the world, the Edwardses of the world, your grandmother who walk with the Lord for 87 years and is with the Lord now. That, that is the encouragement. Because y'all, understand, your race, it matters to the sovereign God of the universe. If it didn't, he wouldn't tell you to run it well. He cares about your race. He designed your course. And you will one day be part of this great cloud of witnesses. 
you'll finish. And all of all the, the plan of the consummation of the entire universe is waiting for every single one of God's elect to finish their course. And when the last one finishes it, he's going to wrap it all up. And we're all going to have a big after party forever. Lots of hydration and good food. Forever. Your, your race matters. So don't quit. Run it. Be motivated by others. Last observation. You can't miss the, the corporate nature of it, right? He says it a couple times. Let us lay aside. Let us run the race. Your race is your race, and it's specific to you, but you don't run your race alone, ever. You're not meant to. We used to do these things in high school. This is my old, I'm like bringing out all my running illustrations. There will be no more running illustrations for a long time, but we used to do these things called Indian files. I'm sure they don't call them that anymore. It's very insensitive, I'm sure, but we'd call them that back in the day, right? And so they were a file of guys, and you would run, and the guy in the back, I don't, you know, you'd go, go, and the guy in the back would run to the front, right? And then the guy, you eventually keep, go, 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 right? You do those things? They still do those things? I don't know. All right, so we did those things, and they each split up varsity, JV, ninth grade, whatever. So in the varsity group, and there was something challenging but encouraging, knowing you were with these seven guys. And they were like, go, and you'd have to sprint to the front. And man, I was one of the slower guys in the varsity. I mean, the top four guys, they all went to Division I schools and running. I just became a PE teacher, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's the difference between the four and the five guy on our team. You know, four guy goes to Syracuse, full ride. Five guy, he's a PE teacher, okay? All right, but whatever. But there was something about seeing Ernie Churchill got a full ride to Georgetown. Stud runner, ran a 420 his senior year mile. Crazy runner. Right? There's something about him saying, Bill, go. And I got to go run in front of him. That's, y'all, the church is one big group of runners. Right? It's the way God intended the church. This is why for us community groups matter. Right? Not that everyone has to be in a community group, but everyone has to have community. Because you can, what happens if you're running alone is you can get lost and you can start wandering off the course. Or you can start going up that hill and you can quit and no one's there to say, don't quit. You can sprain your ankle and no one's there to carry you home. You have to run with others. Do not run alone. And we've been beating this drum. But what keeps us, what, what makes us run alone is, is just pride. And it's just probably more men than women just by the nature, that we don't want people to know that there's struggle, that there's, there's I, I wrestle with this. If I told everyone that I, this is really what I'm thinking, they would think very lowly of me. Or I don't need anything. I can carry, I can do it. I'm a self-made guy. I, I finished college in three years, started my own company. I was a millionaire by 40, blah, 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 blah. That's all fine and good. But the enemy loves prideful, alone people because he can eat their lunch. And so... The encouragement is be, be, be part of a running club. This CBC running club. We're not starting that ministry. We're not putting that on the website. But this is the CBC running club. This is why being part of a local church matters. Because what you're basically saying is, I'm going to run with you. And if you fall, I'm going to pick you up. And if you need me to slow down, I'm going to slow down with you. And if you need me to speed up, I'm going to speed up. And I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going I'm to help you. And when you feel like quitting, I'm not going to let you quit. And when I feel like... I'm going to quit. You're not going to let me quit. And when you're sad and you're tired and you're hungry, we're going to, I'm going to feed you. And it's what we do. 
That's the church. Take some humility. Um, but that's what we want to be. And I, I'm telling you, I've seen the fruit of this in some of y'all's lives. I've seen it in me when I'm, I, you know, we got t- three teenagers in the house now. That's a scary thing. And, and I'm asking folks, what did you do with this? I got a, a, some men that I just kind of ask questions to. What did you, how did you do that? And what do you do about this? And I don't know what to do about this. I mean, sir, I don't know what about that. What do you think about that? That's running the race together. Right, I got some guys that'll call me out if they think, you know what, you're, you're doing X and Y and you should do Z. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? That, that's, that's, you know, it keeps you from wandering off in the woods. We need to, to have that. You know what you also, you need to be that, right? Don't, don't let your buddy go wandering off into the woods think, oh, it's going to be fun for him. Right, you see your, your roommate dating a train wreck dude? Don't let her date the train wreck dude. Steal her wallet or purse. You can't pay for dinner. I don't know. Do something. But at least say, hey, do you not see X? Your buddy hadn't been to church in three or four weeks? Give him a call. Hey, bud, haven't seen you. Don't let people just wander off in the woods and with gaping wounds in their legs. We're the church. Right? Well, teenagers, let me encourage you and challenge you at the same time. If you see your 16-year-old friend acting like a knucklehead, lying to her parents, uh, hiding this boyfriend from so-and-so, or this guy's got this, you know, whatever addiction, don't just let him sit there and destroy himself. Go to him with a bunch of friends. Buddy, hey, this is, that, that's being the church. Even for young folks, college, that's what we want to do. Do not run alone, right? Run your race be motivated by others. Don't quit, but don't run alone. Those are just some observations. Let me just quickly just highlight two of the, the ways he does tell us to run, because I think these are significant, right? So verse one again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Kind of the structure of the passage is main command is Run. With endurance, run. And so you say, well, how do I run? Here's the first thing, is that we lay aside every weight and sin which clings. It describes how we run. And so the, the first way we run, if you want to get faster, is you get light. You need to get light spiritually. So I've been wearing this Fitbit for about a year and a half now. And, and the cool thing about it is it tells me how I sleep and it, you know, it tells me what my heart rate is and all these things. And there's one little area when you go on the little app on your phone, it tells you the cardiovascular fitness. And it made it, I looked at it the other day and I wrote it down because I thought, huh, thanks, Captain Obvious. It said, if you reduce your pounds, your cardio score will go up. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Watch. <laughs> you know, if I, if, I get, if I get lighter, you mean I'm going to be healthier? Wow. I mean, I was a PE major back in the 90s. I knew that part. But the idea here is we need to get light. If you're going to run well, you need to get light. And there's two ways he says to get light. The first thing it says, you need to lay aside the sin, which again, listen to the language, which clings. And in those days, they didn't, you know, they didn't have like, you know, Nike running gear. Everyone like wore these long robes. If you were going to run, you either ran naked or you kind of wrapped the that, you know, wrapped your robe up so they didn't kind of tangle up in your legs, right? But even, we, we get the illustration, you look at the marathon runners, 
right? Or any kind of runner. I remember in the 90s before we got all the, you know, all the Under Armour and all that stuff. I mean, the uniforms were uncomfortably light and short. Why? And the goal was to get as light as possible. I even had, I had shoes that I would wear in the race, and then I had my trainers. I mean, during the week, I'm wearing my trainers. But when in race day, I had this uber light pair of shoes. If it was a road race, I had these. If I had these, I had my spikes. And they were super light. Why? Because I wanted to reduce any weight. I needed any advantage so that I could be as quick as possible. And he says, you need to get light when it comes to sin. Sin will slow you down. Sin will tangle your life. It'll destroy your spiritual life. It'll keep you from running the grace that God wants you to run. The race that he has set out for you. He's got this course and you just went off this way. Because you're blinded, because you're whatever. Because you said, no, I don't like your course. I'm going this way. And, and you know, I'm going to let the spirit talk to you. Is it your temper? Is it greed? Is it, is it covetous? Is it some sort of immorality? Is it some sort of addiction? Is it whatever, bitterness towards that person that's keeping you from, from running your race the way you want? Is it every time you hang out with this certain group of friends, you end up going off the deep end? Then he says, lay that aside. Then maybe you shouldn't do that, right? Because it's keeping you from, from your best. God's race for you is the best, right? That, that's the idea. And says, lay aside, strip it off. Like, like it's your warm-ups when you're getting ready to go run. It's a sweatshirt. You're not going to run in a sweatshirt. It's a parka. You're not going to run in a parka. Get rid of it. It's keeping you from running the race God wants for you. And then the second encouragement, I know, I'm sorry. And then he says, wait, the weight, every weight. And I, and I think that weight here is not necessarily sinful things. I think it's things that are amoral. They're, not, they're morally neutral, but they might be slowing you down. It's not bad. Not good. It's just, it is. But, and it could be anything. It could be religious things. In fact, it's interesting that, that Paul to the Galatian church, he, ha he hammers them and says, you were running so well. What slowed you down? What stopped you? You know what it was? It was their religiosity. It was their legalism. It was their do-do-do-do-do-do. Don't, 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 don't. It was all the rules that they had established to make themselves holier. They thought, oh, look how good we are because we do X. But really, he says, you're actually not even running anymore. You stopped. Right? So sometimes even good things, religious things, can actually hinder your race. Maybe your family, and what that means is maybe your family doesn't need one more church activity. You're doing X, Y, Z every night of the week, and maybe you could just say, we actually want to eat hot dogs and macaroni and cheese together one night at home. Right? I don't know. Right? It, it could be uh, your, your weight is social media. Right? Check it, just scroll. Oh, she's cute. Or you're just a like, 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 gotta like them because then if I like them, they'll like me back. Right? And you spend like 64 hours a day on it. Is, is social media bad? No. Social media was created for grandmothers to look at their grandkids. That's what it was created for. We've abused it. Okay, we've abused it. It's not, it's not bad, but if it consumes you, maybe that's the weight you need to set aside. And then it's, okay, do I need a Twitter, an Instagram, a Facebook, a MySpace? Some of you still have MySpace. You didn't know it yet, but you did. Do I need all those things? Because I'm just consuming me. And so maybe that's what you need to lay aside. Or maybe it's your video games. 
Maybe you're playing six hours of video games a day and you don't even realize it. Right? You know, again, neutral things. And again, the point is, lay yourself, by the way, the, 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 it's in the middle voice in the original, which means it's talking to you. You're not worried about their race. You know, you, you know oh, he's wearing a sweatshirt. He shouldn't be wearing a sweatshirt. Because we love in the church, well, I can't believe that they watch movies on Friday nights and they don't read their Bible on Friday nights. And I can't believe that they would go there and I can't believe they would take a cruise and I can't, and we get all excited about everyone else's race. No, you run your race. Because you know what? You're all, I can't believe he plays golf every Saturday. That's what a waste of time and money. Well, maybe that is his opportunity to rub shoulders with folks that don't know Jesus. And that's the opportunity he has to just build on them. Yeah, it might be for you a distraction because you have three little ones at home and you think you're going on tour, but you're still shooting 104. And you're not. So you're buying all, you spend all the money. I'm going to get new. If I get that, if I get Tiger Woods' bag, maybe I'll hit the ball like him. You won't. So maybe for you, yeah, that would be slowing you down. For him, that is a ministry opportunity. Maybe for that family, they, and they connect around watching, you know, Marvel movies on a Friday night. That's how they do family time. And maybe you don't feel free to do that. Great. You run your race. But again, this is why I think it's important for you to get alone, maybe to open your journal, your little thing, and, 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 and ask the Holy Spirit, okay, what is keeping me, me, from running well? Are you willing... Are you, that's a hard question, but are you willing to kind of get alone and trust the Holy Spirit, just kind of get quiet, maybe go on a walk, maybe go down by the marsh and just kind of look at the birds, take a little no-nats with you just in case, and just ask the Spirit, what is keeping me, Bill Fowler, from running well? And trusting that God will show you. Like we have the Holy Spirit of God in us. If you're asking that question, be prepared to be answered. And that's good, because he wants you to run his race, your race, right? Big piece, right? So we want to get light. And then the second way in which we run is we get focused, right? We get focused. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, looking, again, it's a participle describing the running. How do we run with endurance? We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. We get light, we get focused. And it's a word that's used not just to look at something, but it's to also look away. So we're looking away and we're looking at, right? The image is, here again, very athletic. It's Jesus at the finish line with Moses over there and Abraham over there and Rahab over there and all. And, and Jesus is at the finish line. And when you're running a race, you look up. You don't look down. You look down, you're going to wander off. You're going to slow your pace. You're going to get distracted. He says, look to the finish, to the one who finished who ran his race, who is seated now on the throne. He has finished the course. Don't take your eyes off that. Because when you take your eyes off that, what happens? You're like Peter on the water, and you start going up and down, and you're like, oh, my goodness, and he starts sinking. And then Jesus has to say, what happened? Peter, you looked at the waves. You stopped looking at me. That's the idea. And fix your eyes, as the old translations say, looking to Jesus. My junior year... When I was at the Citadel, I went out for this, this drill team. It's kind of an elite drill team called the Summerall Guards. And you know, a bunch of guys went out for about 150 guys. And, and they would narrow it down to a certain amount. And they, the way they did that was through like a month of just physical training and a bunch of other stuff. And they would take us on these runs, run with our M14s. And we'd just run for, you know, 45 minutes 
in formation, you know, hands, uh, you know, all these things, right? Slapping our rifle and putting it up in the air and all these things. So you're exhausted. And the, ra- the run every time always ended in 2nd Battalion. We had four battalions. It would always, they'd go into 2nd Battalion, they'd tell you to stop, you're about to die, and they'd dismiss you. On one of the runs, it took us out, you know, run for 45 minutes. Shh, you know, you're exhausted, your arm's about to fall off, everyone's dying. I'm the short guy, so they put us in the back. They call us duck butts, so I'm in the last row because I'm the shortest of the short. So we're in the back, and uh, we, we go into the battalion, and we're, everyone's exhausted, but they tricked us. They went into the battalion, they did a circle, and they went right out of the battalion. And as soon as they went right out of the battalion, like 15 guys fell out, Pshh, gone, quit. And if you, if you, got, if you were at, fell out three times, you were done. You couldn't make it. I mean, right, we literally went out of the battalion. I mean, went like 10 yards. These guys just, pff, done. And all they did is they went 100 yards that way. They turned around, and they went right back in. And it was all a mind game. And see, the, the, the reason those guys fell is because they had their eyes on the wrong finish line. Their finish line was the battalion. See, my finish line was being a Summerall guard. So I didn't care what it took I was going to not quit. I wasn't going behind what they call the line of death, which is always right behind me because I'm the shortest guy in the back. <laughs> My finish line was the end game. And for the Christian, what he's saying is, look, you're going to go into battalion and come out. There's going to be hills. There's going to be valleys. Don't focus on this. You look to the finisher of our faith. Look at the language. He's the founder. Who is the one who chose you in himself before the foundation of the world? Jesus. Who is the one who gave you the faith to believe? Jesus. Who is the one who gives you his spirit to obey? Jesus. Who is the one who will one day redeem, rescue, glorify you? Jesus. He is everything. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He has done it all. Not only that, he is the example. He ran the race. Much harder race than ours. Right? But what did he do? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So he had a pretty big hill called Mount Calvary that he had to go up. But he sees beyond Mount Calvary to what? Joy. And so because of the finish line, because he knows he's gonna be seated at the right hand of the Father and the joy is gonna outweigh the pain, he endures the cross, he despises the shame, and then he sits down. And that is the pattern for us. It doesn't make everything easy, but it has a way to kind of re- reshape. Yes, this hill hurts. Yes, this relationship is sour. Yes, that we're, we're broke. Yes, I feel physically ill. Yes, I'm alone. Yes, I'm disappointed I'm not further in my career. That is, those are real, but compared to the joy on the other side when you run well, it just is marginalized. It's nothing, right? It's nothing. And if we, if, we, if we take our eyes off that, what happens? We start looking at ourselves. We start looking at others. This is not fair. My boss is a jerk. Uh, uh, I've been mistreated. It's not whatever. And what we have a tendency to do is we become entitled. And entitled people, you know what they do? They sin. Because, well, they did it. And I'm this. And man, yeah. And well, it doesn't matter anyway. Because blah, blah. And we have a tendency to turn it all inward. So he says, don't look inward. Look outward. And that's, that's challenging. And that's not something so... It's, it's, it's very day by day, y'all. So when you're in that hard conversation, you're just thinking, Lord, how do you want me to respond? How would Jesus respond in this conflict? How, how would I treat this? Okay, this employee is acting like a knucklehead. How, how would Jesus want me to treat this person? 
How, how would I get this extra $500? How would Jesus want me to, to spend this? It, whatever it is, it's just looking to the founder and perfecter of the faith constantly. That's not always easy, and it's easy to get distracted, but that is how you run well. You get light, and you get focused. You run the course he has set in the strength that he is giving in the hope of his reward. That's where we go. We are in a race, whether you know it or not. You don't, you're probably losing. So put on those Nikes today, and let's start running. Endure, don't quit. Run your race. Be motivated by others. Get light. Get focused. And y'all, one day you will cross the finish line, and it will be worth it. And we need to be each other's cheerleaders. Right? We need to do it together. We're going to respond in worship. Uh, Just singing two songs today. Um, Use, use these songs to just, one of the reasons, I know that some of us are like, okay, good, church is over, Fowler just prayed. No, we actually put songs on the other side of the sermon as an opportunity for the Spirit to kind of just work. It's, a t- it's, it's just as worshipful as the time in the Word. And so, so utilize it to just kind of get maybe quiet your spirit, to pray, God, I, I just start speaking to me, Holy Spirit. Start showing me. I want to run well. And to respond in that way. If you need prayer, the prayer team will be in the back hall after the service. Glad to pray for y'all. Whatever it is. Let me pray for our time. Why don't you guys stand and then we'll just sing. Oh, I'm going to drop my iPad here. Father, I just pray that your people would run your race well. Whatever that is, unique to them. um, That we would, when times of discouragement, be encouraged. That we would look to Jesus, the author of... The, the, the pioneer, as some translations say, of our faith, um, who for the joy set before him finished. And so may we see the joy on the other side. May we seek and pursue uh, relationships with others to build each other up as long as it's still called today. Um, may we see that even if we've wandered, we can come back because you're a God of grace. Um, just use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.